Welcome to this podcast from Wilkesboro Baptist Church, where we are on a mission to lead our neighbors and the nations to follow Jesus. As we have done in the last several weeks at the book of Proverbs, we're dealing with themes that are found in the book. We're going to deal with theme of friendship in just a moment. So we'll be kind of all over the book of Proverbs with a variety of passages of Scripture. If you want to find one in your copy of the Bible, if you brought it with you, Proverbs 1 is a place we'll read in just a moment. So we're going to talk about friends. Some of us have school friends. You remember those friends that you spent a lot of time with in school, when you were in elementary school and middle school, and then high school. Some of you spent time in the same community, and so the friends you had in school were the friends you had in school for like 12 years, 13 if you count kindergarten right, you know that person, knew that person, you got all the way up to high school, the last day of high school, there were all kind of tears shed, oh my goodness, I'll I'll never forget you, we'll talk every day. And then the next time you saw that friend was like at your 30 year high school reunion and things, things changed. Just to be quite honest with you, that was not my experience. I was home educated, so uh, me and my brother and my sister, we still talk. Uh, But school friends, right? I mean, the people that you were so close with, and occasionally, for some of us, we still have some of those friends that ring true and that have stayed with us during the years. But for many of us, those teenagers, we sought to impress with our looks and our confidence and our attitude and our sports or our intelligence Whatever it was, we don't really care about impressing them anymore. We're not even around them. School friends. What about camp friends? The, the people you went to, uh, when you went to summer camp, our students every year go to Camp Caswell for a week. They, they get to know each other really well. Sometimes they get to know people outside our church group really well. You know, have those camp crushes. Man, you think you're in love and... All of a sudden, a week later, there's no more communication. I had a camp friend as well. Uh, I went to uh, summer camp to work as a summer staffer at Ridgecrest um, uh, Conference Center. Uh, it was there I met the, the girl who would become my wife. Uh, we got to be good friends at camp. So camp for me was a good thing. God sent me a wife at camp. But I don't talk to any of the others Aside from the best friend that my wife had who brought her to summer camp. Camp friends, sometimes they don't last either. What about work friends? Some of us are friendly with those that we work with. Uh, Some of us have more acquaintances at work. They're more of a professional relationship than we might say a personal relationship. There's work friends. There's also social media friends. This is kind of my favorite observation over the years, and this is a rather new reality, right? Maybe the last 20 years or so. You have Facebook friends. I think I have like something like 2,500 Facebook friends because I have a lot of different connections with the Bible college where I teach, the church where I was in Hendersonville, friends in the community here, church members here. But let me just be quite honest with you, and you probably ought to be quite honest with me, we don't know all the people that we say we're friends with on Facebook. There, there's a mutual connection or mutual friends, but I don't, I don't know a lot of them. I don't think a lot of them know me. Same thing would be true with Twitter followers or Instagram followers or TikTok followers. Whatever your preferred social media platform, 
most of the people that we would interact with on that platform are disconnected from us. We don't really know them. We know them through a particular media lens. Are they real friends? And then we've got the, the, the thing, uh, the, the reality of true friends. Many of us know a lot of people. And, and when we think about school, work, camp, social media, or other interactions that we have, we have lots of acquaintances. We have lots of people that we may know their name, we know, may know their importance in a community. We may know what they do, they may know us, they may not know us. There's an acquaintance, right? But are they really friends? Are, are they true friends? Are they people that we can count on, that we can depend on, that, that they can depend on us? The book of Proverbs has quite a bit to say about friends. There are two words that are used in the book of Proverbs for friend. One is the word ra'ah, and it basically means neighbor. And in several of the passages that we're going to read, it's translated friend. It carries the idea that the person we're around, whether in our immediate neighborhood, as in a next-door neighbor, or whether someone that we're connected to socially, they're our neighbor, they're they're close to us, and so we should be friendly with them. There's another word for friend uh, that is oheb, and it means to love or to like. It's where there's an affinity. There's a recognition of, of connection for friendships and for love and for for depending on someone. The book of Proverbs has quite a bit to say about friendship. I'd like to make three observations, and we'll look at several different passages through the book of Proverbs, but here's the first one. Observation number one about friendship in the book of Proverbs. We need friends who will not lead us astray. Uh, Youth pastor that I had years ago He coined this phrase or maybe stole it from somebody else. That's what we do as pastors. A lot of times we we pick up a phrase we like and we kind of make it our own. He said this, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And, And there's a lot of truth to that. Who you spend time with, who you hang out with, who you're invested around is generally their character, their values, their habits, Their likes or dislikes are the things that you're going to end up adopting. Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse 8, reads this. This is Solomon to his son. He said, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, Come with us, let us lie and wait for blood, let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive, and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. Technically, the word friend or neighbor is not found in those verses. But Solomon's instruction there is to probably a teenage son who had the opportunity to interact with a group of people, friends, that were not the best influence on his life. And Solomon gave a a very important warning. He said, don't go down their path. 
Now listen, I'm talking to you as parents of teenagers, parents of, of, of children that are going to be teenagers. Some of you are parents of adults. And I want to tell you, this piece of advice from Solomon is tremendously important. Folks, we need friends who are not going to lead us astray. Every single one of us needs to have, as followers of Jesus, we need to have people in our relational circles that don't know Christ. We definitely need to have people that are lost that we interact with on a regular basis so that we can invite them to hear the gospel, so that we can tell them about Jesus, so that we can know them well enough to pray for them and talk to them about Christ. But our closest friends do not need to be those people that are going to have more influence on us than we're going to have on them. Illustrate it this way. I remember as a teenager, the concept of missionary dating coming out. You know what missionary dating is, right? It's when a godly Christian young girl or a godly Christian young boy wants to use their influence on their boyfriend or girlfriend to bring that person to faith in Jesus. Sometimes that works well. Most of the time it does not. Most of the time that sinful person, the person who's not yet follower of Christ, has more influence on the Christian boyfriend or girlfriend. And that's so true with the people that we're around. Who we choose as our friends are going to have more influence on our behavior, our decisions, and our values. And folks, we need to make sure that we have friends that do not lead us astray. If you have people that are in your close relational circles whose values are far different than yours, it's more likely that you're going to change your value than you're going to change their value or what they value in life. In Proverbs 13, 20, Solomon writes this, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Listen, who we are around on a regular basis is going to guide what we say, how we say it, the values that we have in life. By the way, misery loves company and bad friends can't stand to be bad alone. You realize that? That's why as a teenager, it's so opportunistic for that group of six or eight boys or that group of six or eight girls to get around that one person and say, man, if you'll just, if you, why don't you come join us? Mom and dad will never know that, that we're taking the alcohol that, that's in our house. Mom and dad will never know what we're about to do. Nobody's ever going to find out. Why do they always invite somebody along with them? Because they feel better about themselves if they're not doing it alone. Misery loves company. Let me tell you something, moms and dads, you need to pay attention to who your children are close friends with. I'm not saying your children shouldn't be friendly with everybody. I think as followers of Jesus, we ought to have a demeanor of friendliness, of relational attractiveness. We ought to be people that are not jerks. We ought to be people that are nice and kind. We also ought to be people that are full of truth and full of love and full of honesty and full of reality. But, but we ought to care for people who are not easy to be cared for. But that doesn't mean that we have to be best friends with groups of people that are going to lead us astray. And moms and dads, you need to be very attentive to who your children begin to hang out with and connect with. There are too many horror stories of teenage boys that turn up 
drunk and in a car accident. There are too many horror stories of teenage girls or boys that because of their social media interactions and relations um, and and people they, they connect with on social media, they end up doing things they would never do otherwise. They end up in state of depression because what they see from people they think are their friends on a social media platform who are really not their friends, they want to live like that. They want to do that. They want to go down that route. And so what happens? They change their behavior and we're trying to figure out who are they. Well, who are they? Is they're being influenced by people who are directing outcomes that are not godly and that are not right. I'm telling you folks, we need friends who will not lead us astray. So in particular, for many of us in this room, we've kind of already made that decision. We know who our friends are. I'm going to tell you something, folks, for our grandkids and for our kids, we need to help guide them into making decisions that will keep them from, from making bad choices. When I was a youth pastor years and years ago, uh, one of the most challenging aspects of my ministry was dealing with the parent that never thought their kid was wrong. That was hard. Pastor Tad, well, not nobody here, no, no, no parents here, but Pastor Tad knows what I'm talking about. It's hard. And, and I could look at kids, 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, and, and I could tell you why they weren't coming to church anymore. And I could tell you why they weren't respecting their parents anymore, because I knew who their friends were. Their friends were kids who didn't respect their parents, and their kids were friends who ran off on the weekend to do whatever they wanted to because their parents let them. And sets of parents let their kids kind of follow these other friends, and so their values changed. Moms and dads, that's something we need to be attentive to. We need to make sure the friends we have are not people who are going to lead us astray. Second observation... We need friends who will tell us the truth. Tell us the truth. You and I need friends who are going to be honest to us. Let me say it this way. Show me your friends and I'll show you what you believe. Because a lot of times our friends have influence. I don't mean that they can change everything that we believe or everything that we, we think. I have some good friends of mine that are opposite ends of the theological spectrum or the political spectrum they're not going to change my mind. I'm probably not going to change theirs. But the people we allow to speak in our lives, they, they kind of guide what we believe is true and what we believe is right. And so you and I need to make sure that the people that have the most influence speaking into our lives are going to tell us the truth. They're not going to be the folks who just tell us what we want to hear. Our memory verse gets at this. Notice this, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Beloved, we need people in our lives that are going to make us more consistent followers of Jesus. We need people in our lives that are going to look at us and say, you're being stupid. You're acting out in a wrong way. We need people in our lives that are, that are going to be honest enough to say, hey, you sound a bit arrogant. You sound a bit judgmental. Hey, you need to cool the jets with what you're posting on social media. You're acting very angry, and it's not a follower, like a follower of Jesus. We need people to be able to speak into our lives. Notice Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Verse 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Folks, we need people who, we can, who can speak into our lives. A great example of this, a historical example of this, is in a fascinating book that I listened to as an audio book a couple of years ago. It's Team of Rivals that reflects on Abraham Lincoln's presidency. 
Abraham Lincoln is arguably the greatest president of the United States, certainly in the top two or three presidents of the United States, how he led during the American Civil War. And one of the things that Abraham Lincoln did so well during his tenure is he invited his rivals, people who ran on the the ticket, the Republican Party ticket in the 1850s against him to be president. He invited them to be a part of his cabinet. They were different, different, they had differences of opinion. Some of them were not the greatest of people in the world. They were not kind. They didn't really like Abraham Lincoln, but Lincoln invited them to be a part of his cabinet. And the reason he did so is he said he wanted the brightest and best minds possible to guide the uh, Union through the Civil War. He believed that he needed people around him that wouldn't necessarily agree with him all the time, that wouldn't necessarily think the way he thought all the time, but that could speak into the situation. Now, Lincoln was a unique leader. It takes a really uh, gifted leader to be able to pull something like this off at a scale like Lincoln faced during the American Civil War. But that team of rivals helped navigate the Union through the terrible tragedy of the American Civil War. We can go back and debate the history of all that, but we're grateful for that example and that illustration. I'm going to tell you something, folks. You and I need people in our lives that can speak truth to us, that that are not afraid to be honest, that are not afraid to go toe-to-toe with us, whether it's a, a theological issue or whether it's a moral or an ethical issue. One of the greatest privileges of my spiritual life has been the relationships and friendships God's let me develop through Sunday school classes, through community, through Sunday school, and through uh, discipleship groups. Years ago, I developed a discipleship group with some friends of mine. We gathered around some books and started talking about what God's Word said. And we built those discipleship groups into into the life and DNA here at Wilkesboro Baptist Church. Some of the gentlemen here in the room have been a part of my discipleship groups over the years, and they've started their own, and I'm in one now. And I've had a week where, you know, some things have gone a little differently than I anticipated. And, and I've been able to text those guys today and say, here's something that's going on. I need you to pray for me and get messages back. One of the greatest blessings of my life here at our church is the friends that God's given me on our church staff. I appreciate Dr. Mike being able to step into my office and be honest and, hey, here's what's going on. I appreciate Pastor Tad. We've had some really, you know, insightful conversations over the six years that we've been here, going through renovation and going through other things that that we've had to deal with here at our church. I appreciate their speaking into my life. I appreciate the deacons God's given Wilkesboro Baptist Church and the, the serious conversations we can have. Folks, you need to put people around you and we need people in our lives that can speak truth to us. Amen? Now, let me say this before I go on observation number three. We need people who will not lead us astray, but that also means we need to be people that will not lead others astray. We need people that will speak truth in our lives. That also means we need to be able to speak truth into the lives of someone else. We need close, real, significant friendships. Let me give you a third observation from the book of Proverbs. We also need friends who will be there for us. Will be there for us. Let me say it this way. Show me your friends and I'll show you whether you're stable or not. You know, some of us have friends and I don't mean to, um, I don't mean to disparage some of the connections and acquaintances we have. Some of us have friends that are more needy than others. Hey, I, I'm not going to tell you on, at home 
the, the kind of looks that I got from the folks in our congregation when I said that. Uh, what I got is that there are some of you that have some friends that are, that are quite needy. That's reality, to be quite honest with you. Some of us are quite needy sometimes. We may not think of ourselves in that, in that category. But if all your friends are needy, then you're going to get burned out as a friend. You need some friends that are not the friends that always need you. You need some friends that can care about you, that can build you up, that can encourage you, that can support you. We need friends in our lives that will be there for us when the going gets difficult and the going gets tough. We need friends that will be there when we're sick. We need friends that will be there, well, maybe not right now in the immediate environment of being sick, right? But that will call us and text us and, and, and listen to us and bring food to our house and run away. Uh, you know, whatever that, whatever that looks like. But it's, seriously, we need people that will be there for us when, when difficulties happen. We need people that will be there for us when good things happen. Proverbs 17, 9 and 10, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. The idea is that we need people who are willing to um, cover over someone else's offenses. Do you realize some of our friendships that we have over the years, we have to uh, show a a, a special amount of grace in those friendships. We have to be willing to forgive, have an interesting uh, friendship relationship a number of years ago where I had to confront a friend of mine. Some behavior that was going on in his life, it fell to me and a buddy of mine to do that. And it was not an easy confrontation. But you know what? God brought grace and repentance and forgiveness and restoration with him and his wife and, and with us. And the image here in the book of Proverbs is that whoever covers over an offense with love. In other words, whoever as a friend is willing to show love to someone else and say, hold on a second. I may not really agree with what you're doing, but I'm not willing to lose my friendship over my disagreement with you on this point. I'm willing to cover this over. Because knowing you and you knowing me and us being together on most things is not important enough for me to let our friendship go over this one little thing, a willingness to forgive. Also in Proverbs 17, 17, and 18, notice this, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. One who lacks sense gives a pledge and puts up security in the presence of his neighbor. What does that mean? A friend loves at all times. A friend is a person who will be there for you, no matter what's going on. Great biblical example of this is David and Jonathan. Jonathan was the son of King Saul. By every human admission, he was supposed to be king. He was next in line. So that wasn't God's plan because Saul broke God's commandments. And God took the kingdom away from Saul and he anointed David to be king. And everybody in Israel kind of knew that that was what was going to happen. Because David's leadership kind of rose as he served the kingdom, as he served as a general in the army, as he killed his thousands and saw his hundreds and his ten thousands and saw his thousands and those songs that were sung in the Old Testament. And so an odd friendship developed, or maybe not so much an odd friendship, but the one who should be king, Jonathan, in line to be king, recognized that God raised up David to be king, and Jonathan knew he wasn't going to be king, and yet he built a, an intimate, developed, careful friendship with David. They covenanted with one another to protect one another. When Saul tried to take David's life, Jonathan protected David. When Saul tried to go find David, 
Jonathan protected David, and there was a friendship that was built and that was developed. And to be honest with you, in a very real sense, Jonathan saved David's life. Now, in God's providence, David would have been saved in any case, but God used Jonathan to save David's life. A friendship was built and established even after Jonathan died. David, in a commitment to honor his friendship to his buddy, his brother, Jonathan, in a real sense, he took care of Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, for the rest of his life. Why? Because there was an intimate, connected friendship. Folks, we need a Jonathan in our lives. You need somebody in your life that's going to be there for you no matter what. To use New Testament examples, if, if, you're, if you're a Timothy, you need a Paul. You need someone that's going to mentor you, that's going to give you instruction and guidance, that's going to speak into your life when you need wisdom. If you're a Paul, you need a Timothy. You need someone that you can speak into their situation in life. You look at the disciples. By the way, isn't it interesting, the disciples that Jesus picked? That's a worthy study one day. He didn't pick uh, 12 guys who thought alike, acted alike, and were from the same environment. He picked a bunch of different people who were very, very different. He picked fishermen and tax collectors. Do you realize the tax collectors were the men that took the money from the fishermen? They were hated among the, the, the people of Israel because they worked for Rome. And he put a tax collector who worked for Rome with a zealot called Simon, who, who, whose life mission before he met Jesus was to overthrow the Roman government. Jesus put them together. I mean, can you imagine the types of conversations that happened as disciples? And, and here's what, what that means for us. Sometimes we need people in our lives that are going to challenge us. Sometimes we need people in our lives that are going to annoy us. And I don't mean that in, in, the, in the very minimal sense of the word or trite sense of the word. We need people who really force us to think about ourselves and how we relate to others and how we react, react and show compassion to others. We need people who are going to challenge us. We need people who might convict us. We need people like Thomas who are going to doubt and, and maybe we can come alongside them and help them in their doubts. Some of us may be like Thomas, and so we need other people in our lives that are going to speak truth and comfort to us when we do doubt. Uh, all of us need a Barnabas in our life. Barnabas' name means encouragement. He's an encourager. You need people in your life that are going to build you up and that are going to encourage and that are going to keep you stable. And by the way, God has made it so that the church is the means by which we get those friendships. You realize that? Realize what God has done in his glorious plan and privilege is he has put us together in a body of Christ and given us the friendships and the relationships that we need because our friendship is beautifully established by Jesus himself. The book of Proverbs puts it this way. It says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I'm pretty close with my brother. We're twins. We get along. Most of the time, uh, when he's not wrong on theology, we get along. He won't listen to this sermon, so I don't have to, I don't have to worry about that. No, we, we jest and we go back and forth, but I love my brother. We, we're very close. Yet there's a friend that's closer than my brother, and his name is Jesus. The Bible tells us in John 15, Jesus said this to his followers. This is during that uh, Olivet Discourse, the last night that Jesus was alive on planet Earth when he was walking toward or moving toward the garden where he would pray and be arrested and then be crucified, Jesus looked at his followers and he said something beautiful. He said, 
No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. What Jesus said to his followers is this, I've called you friends, I've made you a friend of mine. I've interacted in a relationship that's not just master to servant, but and it is. He's Lord, we're servants, but he's interacted with us in a relationship of friend to friend. Not equals in a real sense, but in a sense we're connected to one another in a friendly, real, intimate relationship because of what Jesus did. No greater love has any man than this than that one would lay down his life for his friends. Jesus said that as well. And Jesus is the means by which we can have friendship with God and friendship with one another. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book Life Together put it this way. He said, Christian brotherhood is not an ideal which we must realize. It is rather a reality created by God in Christ in which we may participate. Now, don't, don't lose sight of that quote. Let me read that again, and then I'll finish it up. Listen to this. Christian brotherhood, Christian friendship, is not an ideal which we must realize. It's not something you and I have to wake up one day and figure out. Oh, I've got to make this happen. No, 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 no. It is rather a reality created by God in Christ, which we may participate in. In other words, it is here present. The availability of friendship and connection and community is right here for us as a body of believers because God has made it so through Jesus Christ. You and I are closer as brothers and sisters in Christ, as friends in Christ, than any of us will ever be with relational connections, family, moms, dads, friends. Why? Because God has connected us through his son, Jesus Christ. It's a permanent connection. It's more than a bloodline. It's a sacrificial bloodline that brings us into the same family. Bonhoeffer goes on. He says, The more clearly we learn to recognize the ground and strength and promise of all our fellowship is in Jesus Christ alone, the more serenely shall we think of our fellowship and pray and hope for it. Folks, As you look around the room, or you look around your Sunday school class, or your discipleship group, or worship service on Sunday, or those of you that are watching at home, as you imagine back to those groups and classes you attended, or or those people that are there with you at home, you need to realize that God has provided everything you need in His people, in His church, and in the church that we're a part of here at Wilkesboro Baptist Church. It's ready. We're here. We're here for you, but we're here for you not because we're good and nice and we're the best people in the world, though I think we're pretty close to the best people in the world at Wilkesboro Baptist Church. Not because of that, because we're redeemed. Because in you and me dwells the Holy Spirit, and God gave us that through Jesus Christ, gave us Him, the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ. Christian, you need to hear this, all right? Tune in as we close out this sermon. I want you to hear this. You have a friend in Jesus. I want you to grasp this. When there is no one else there, Jesus is there. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I want you to hear this. Jesus is your friend. He's your personal, intimate, glorious friend. Yes, he's the Lord. I'm going to tell you something, folks. We need to recognize that he's Lord. We need to pray to him like he's Lord. We need to follow him like he is Lord. But Jesus has done something gloriously wonderful. He hasn't just come down to earth to be our Savior and demand that we follow him as Lord in a sense of he's better than us and we're less than him. He is better than us and we are less than him. But he doesn't act that way over us. He's not, he doesn't demand that as if he needs it. What he does is he comes down to our level and he says... 
I want a friendship with you. And he invites us to know him. And folks, wherever you are, no matter what you're going through, Jesus is with you. Some of you watching at home, I know why you're watching at home. You're watching at home because the last year and a half has been weird and you don't feel comfortable coming back out. And you're, you've been isolated. You've been separated from family. You've been separated from friends. You've been separated from neighbors. You've been separated from your church and you're not sure whether you wanna come back. You're not sure whether you can come back. You're just uncomfortable. I, I wanna tell you, We're here for you, but let me remind you of this. Jesus is there with you. Every Christian, you need to know Jesus is with you wherever you are, and he will never leave you. Christian, you need to hear this. You have fellowship and friendship in the church because of Jesus. Some of us, it's hard to interact with others. Some of us, it's not. Some of us are, 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 I'm, I'm not one of these extroverts. I'm more of an introvert but I'm an introvert who likes other people. I just like other people on my own terms. An extrovert kind of likes other people, and there's no qualification for that. Pastor Tad is an extrovert. He just, he just loves being around people. Not every one of us really fits well in new environments or fits well around other people, but I want to tell you this. Whether you're an introvert or whether you're an extrovert, however you interact with others, this church is a place of friendship and fellowship for you. Over the years, people have told me who've visited Wilkesburg Baptist Church some wonderful things. Probably the most wonderful thing that people who have visited our church have said is, man, your church is so friendly. I've been talked to and I've been, I've been chatted with and I've been invited back to church and your church is just genuinely friendly. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes we don't get that as right as we ought to get it. Some of our services were not as friendly as maybe we should be. The pandemic, you're in a mask, it's kind of all weird. But genuinely, do you know why that is, folks? It's because the people at our church love Jesus and they know that we're supposed to love Jesus and we're supposed to love one another. We're going to get some things wrong, but I'm going to tell you, one of the things we get right is we genuinely love you and care about you and we genuinely care about that community because Jesus died for us to be together in community and in friendship and relationship. Did you hear that? Let me talk to you who are not Christians for just a moment. Non-Christian, you need to hear this. Unbeliever, if you haven't yet trusted Jesus to be your Savior, you're on the cusp, you're thinking about this, or maybe you're a Christian, you just need to be reminded of these truths. The hopes and promises of the friends and the surrounding culture around you are empty. The things the world tells you will fill up your bucket, they're they're empty promises. The friends that tell you that your self-identity, what you decide about who you are, is the cure to your happiness in life, they're wrong. Because you can never self-identify yourself enough to be happy with who you are. What you need is to be forgiven and redeemed by Jesus and realize that God made you perfect in the garden to begin with and can remake you perfect in his image now as a follower of Christ. You don't need the empty promises of the world. You need the hope and the promise of Jesus Christ. Your friends that, that may tell you that your peace and hope is found in a bottle or a pill they're peddling something that is foolish and they're peddling something that won't last. You need to hear that the only hope that you have for peace and relational hope is not found in, a, in, in anything extra. It's found in Jesus himself. Some of your friends, and, and they don't tell you this directly, but they show it on Facebook and on Instagram and on social media that say more vacations is what you need or that say more money is what you need or a better job or a better car or a bigger house, all of those that say that, not whether directly or whether indirectly, by just what they show and what they model in their lives. Listen, they are peddling emptiness. 
Because the more you have doesn't necessarily mean the more at peace you are. Peace comes through a relationship with Jesus, a friendship with the God of the universe, and a friendship with the God of the universe that permeates out into relational friendships with other believers who realize that we're not enough, we're not perfect, we're not right, we're, we're a bunch of messy, broken people, and yet we can be together in relationship because of what Jesus did for us. Listen, Jesus will never leave you. Jesus offers you hope and forgiveness and new life. So maybe you're sitting here in the room, maybe you're at home and you're thinking, Pastor, what in the world will friendship with Jesus cost me? Do you realize it costs? it's costly? Friendship with Jesus cost Jesus his life. He hung on a cross 2,000 years ago. He shed his blood. He gave his righteousness to the cross to take our sinfulness so that his father would turn his back on him and so that we would have an opportunity to be cleansed and forgiven of our wickedness and unrighteousness. This is what Jesus did. Friendship with Jesus is costly. And so when Jesus invites us, and he does, he invites every single one of us to friendship with him, what will it cost you? I'm just gonna be honest with you. When Jesus invites you to friendship with him, it will cost you your life. Jesus says he wants you to follow him. It will cost you your heart. He wants to have your insides and your outsides. Listen, it will cost you your time because he doesn't just want you to live like you used to live. He wants you to live like he wants you to live. It will cost you your body when he saves you. He doesn't just save you in part. He saves you in whole. So he's inviting you into friendship, but it'll cost you giving your life over to him. But I want you to get this. When Jesus asks for your heart, it's not because he wants to abuse your heart. It's because what Jesus wants to do is he wants to heal it from the past betrayals that you've experienced. Jesus, your friend, wants to heal your heart. When he asks for your life, it's not because he wants to take your life from you. It's because he wants to give you eternal life. When Jesus asks for your time, you know why Jesus asks for your time today? Because he wants to give you eternity. He wants to give you everything, everywhere for eternity. And when Jesus asks for your body, it's so that he can give you a new body one day. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus wants to be your friend. And yes, it, it will cost you your life following him. It'll cost you your heart. It'll cost you your body. It'll cost you your time. But what you get in return is a friendship with the God of the universe and a connecting friendship and relationship with a bunch of broken people just like you. And you get people who will be there for you. You get a God who will never leave you. And you get a God that can heal you of the brokenness that you have. Now, Christian, you need to be reminded that that's what you have and a friendship with Jesus. A non-Christian, you need to know that if you will but accept Jesus' terms to follow him, he'll give you a friendship that will never go away. And I think I can testify with those in the room and many of you with those at home, the only way I make it some days, the only way you make it some days, is knowing that Jesus hasn't left me, is knowing that I have a friendship with the God of the universe. Man, that's a privilege. And it's a privilege that finds its roots, really, in the pages of Scripture and the stories of the book of Proverbs. Maybe you want to come pray for a friend. Maybe you want to pray that God will send you a friend. Maybe you want to pray that God will send you out as a friend to be a friend to somebody else. Maybe there's somebody, and I know there is for some of us in the room, there are people that have not yet invited Jesus to be their friend and their Savior. Will you take some time at this invitation to pray for them? Pray that God will change their hearts and open their lives to the gospel. Stand with me, if you will. Lord Jesus, 
Every day, we should be humbled and awed that the holy, righteous, sovereign God of the universe would stoop down to be our friend. Lord Jesus, that you care about the brokenness and pains in my life is absolutely amazing. That you love me and accept me in spite of my flaws and failures is absolutely stunning. And Lord Jesus, that you would look out at a whole lot of broken people like we are at our church, a whole lot of messy people with messy paths, and you would say, I want them to be a part of my family. I want them to be my friends. I want them to be my friends so that they can be friends with one another. Lord God, the work you've done to save people in our community and across our world and unite us in friendship with one another in the body of Christ is a glorious miracle. No other faith, no other worldview, no other idea can even come close to the testimony of you taking people who are so at odds with one another and bringing them into the same family of faith through your son, Jesus Christ. Father, will you help us as your church to be more friendly and better friends to those around us? Lord God, I pray for the ones at home watching. I pray for the ones that will worship with us Sunday. Pray for the children and the teenagers and the adults. Lord God, that that don't have a friendship with you yet. I pray that that yet would go away and they'd come to faith and follow you, that they'd know the friendship of Jesus Christ and know the salvation that's offered through your son. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'd send us out as your people to those around us that need genuine, real, honest friendship and friendship that points them to a Savior who will never leave them. Father, help us to be the kind of friends that bring glory to your name. Help us to be the kind of friends that introduce friends to the friend that sticks closer than a brother. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Remember to like and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.